Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday the 14th of August. It was a miserable day in Brisbane yesterday, but in stark contrast, it is a delightful day today. And hope it's good where you are as well. Big show coming up. Plenty of people to speak to as we start to really launch into these carnivals in, in Sydney and Melbourne. Early stages at the moment, but uh, plenty to discuss in terms of the short term and long term where some of these horses are heading and how they performed yesterday. Michael Maxworthy joins me this morning uh, with Ben Dorries having a day off. How are you, Michael? Good, thank you, David. Yes, um, it's all, all starting to unfold, isn't it, with the uh, the spring carnival just around the corner and we're seeing uh, plenty of stakes races. Uh, yesterday we're going to cover off on it. I think Queensland can rightfully have their chest out a little bit following Uncommon James winning the Holy Roller yesterday at Caulfield and it follows a, a really good winter carnival for Queenslanders. We actually won three group ones, yes. but I'm counting it as four with Alligator Blood. I think he only spent two weeks at Tullock Lodge. Surely we can count him as a Queenslander. Well, I'm not, going to, so? I'm not going to argue with you so early in the show, so yeah. I'll, well, I'll be on a unity ticket with you there. But we are going to cover quite a few bases today. We'll talk about Caulfield. We'll go to Rose Hill, where the Rosebud was the feature. Of course, it was the Group 3 Spring Stakes at Morfordville. Somewhat of a surprise result. And, of course, we'll check into what happened at Eagle Farm yesterday. As we said, it was a pretty ordinary day weather-wise, but a few things to talk about. Just before we start, though, I know we were talking about this off-air. You want to give special mention to a man who's very well-known in the racing industry, particularly in Queensland. A special moment in his career comes up tomorrow, is that right? Yes, uh, one of the, the great horsemen of Queensland racing. I refer to KT, Kevin Thomas, just a, a legendary horseman here in Queensland, and he officially retires tomorrow from Washpool Lodge. I think he's been there, David, for more than 25 years, and I've been lucky enough to sort of be, you know, associated with him for the past 10 years in that um, I usually buy a couple of yearlings for Hong Kong every year, and um, I'm just so grateful that Kevin has been able to look after them and nurture them, and once you hand them over to him, you sort of breathe a sigh mm. of relief. He's just such a wonderful horseman. When I first came here in... Um, 88, I think it was, from Sydney. Kevin was the king of the creek mm. at Albion Park. He certainly was. He was an outstanding trainer and driver. And, and I've often said this, you'll sometimes get a, a very good driver who might be only just a, a pass mark as a trainer or vice versa. He was both outstanding in the cart, outstanding preparing horses. But I think he showed, after he retired from, from harness racing, what a great horseman he was with, with the thoroughbreds. And uh, his... His deeds at Washpool Lodge and his work ethic, his knowledge is there for all to see and so many trainers will sing the praises of Kevin Thomas and the team at Washpool Lodge. I slightly disagree with you on one thing. I don't think he'll ever officially retire. No, well, He's I a workaholic. I spoke to him during the week. He described himself as a box walker. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I can't do, do nothing. So he's going to be working with his daughter from time to time at, at Embrook, Letitia. It's just a wonderful... Horsey family, isn't it? I know I speak on behalf of all of Kevin's clients and say thank you uh, for looking after our babies over the years and we're going to miss him from that. But he's going to leave Washpool in, in great order mm. as he hands it over and, um, yeah, uh, time to sit back and relax a little bit, KT. Uh, we take our hat off to you. Exactly right. Great, uh, great man and a wonderful career. OK, let's get into the racing action. We'll go to Caulfield first up and we'll go to the, the Group 2 Peter Lawrence Stakes. 
One of the traditional early season features, Mr Brightside, who was resuming after its Doncaster victory, was the $4 favourite. Buffalo River and Dan Stackhouse at the 450, still two lengths, Azar Streets of Avalon. Mr. Brightside presents out three wide on the course. Regal Power getting off the fence behind it. Then I am Superman, Scolopini regressing, and then Uncle Bryn. It's still Buffalo River, 200 metres to go, two lengths. Mr. Brightside and I am Superman launching. Buffalo River, 100 to go. Mr. Brightside bridging the gap with I am Superman. Mr. Brightside's back. Mr. Brightside won it from I am Superman, Buffalo. River then Regal Power. Next to finish Scolopini, Uncle Bryn Streets of Avalon Elephant at last Azar. His record shows that uh, he never runs a bad race Mr Brightside. He's been a great acquisition for Ben and JD Hayes and uh, Ben Hayes is our first guest this morning on Pass the Post. Ben, good morning and congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. The It's always good to have these horses performing well early in the season. It's it's a bit of a, a careful path you've got to tread because you've got quite a few, well, you know, several months ahead of you in several races. But when they come back well like that, added weight for age as well, it must have been very satisfying for you. Oh, it sure was. Uh, after the Doncaster, we resisted not going for one more run. And we turned him out and he spelled fantastic. And bringing him back in, uh, it was just a very smooth prep. Uh, to the race, uh, he just did everything right, kept improving. Um, at home, he's not a horse that really shows you much on the on the track, so you just got to trust him. And uh, we did, and he won accordingly, which is really exciting for the whole team. Yeah, Buffalo uh, River, he was in good form yesterday. He, he didn't fire a shot here in Queensland during the carnival, but he managed to bounce quickly, set up a good tempo, and Mr Brightside was simply too strong. Ben, looking at his form, he's obviously an outstanding miler, but are you looking at maybe stepping him out a little bit further? Have you delved into his pedigree? What can you tell us about him? Yeah, well, um, this preparation, I would love to get him past the mile. I, I actually, I think the way he finishes off is, mile races, 2,000 would be suitable. Um, so um, I think this prep will definitely go beyond a mile. Um, race like the Underwood could be a good stepping stone, 1,800 metres, and that will give us a guide if he runs it, got to run a strong 2,000 or keep him at a mile. So um, I, I think he will, but you never know until you try. It seems as though his preparation, your next, you're pretty uh, bullish about where his next start is going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, the fee at Mooney Valley, and then you'll decide what path after that. Correct, correct. I just think it's a really good stepping stone for him. Um, get a look at the valley. He's already a winner at the valley, and um, I, I just think it's a really nice race, and uh, it would definitely be a good stepping stone to where we go after that. Yeah, that's, that's the question, isn't it? With a horse like him, you've got so many options. I just wonder, you know, is the Hong Kong Mile or the Cup at the end of the year an option as well? Uh, he'll be in the nominations for sure. Um, and if he's winning and in fantastic form, uh, it will definitely be talked about. Um, he's a horse that's travelled really well over from New Zealand before, albeit only a short flight. Um, so he has been on a plane. Um, so, you know, we'll look at that, definitely look at it, uh, but we'll more focus on hopefully heading towards the Cox Plate first. Ben, Michael and I were hosting the show this morning. We're in the veteran category now, so we really do appreciate when we see these colours, the white, green sash, black sleeves and cap, of course, the colours of your grandfather 
Colin Hayes, C.S. Hayes. Uh, to see those colours go round, um, and, and for, for the family as well, must must be yeah, a little bit of an extra thrill. It, it definitely is. Um, it's a horse that I actually said to Dad before he was really good. Is that of, he, I said he's our best loosen up. Mm. And um, he's now on track to be quite better loosen up at the moment. If he's half of better loosen up, I'll be happy. Um, but he's got very similar traits. Better loosen up himself was a plain horse. He raced in the Lindsay Park colours. And um, as a five-year-old, that's when better loosen up really announced himself as a champion. Uh, his spring was enormous. He just won everything he raced in. And then that year he went on and won the Japan Cup. So... Um, I'm hoping, only hoping, guys, uh, our horse could be half of that and uh, we'll, we'll be very satisfied. But um, even Gary Fennessy looked after Ben Luthen up, who still works for us, that he's more like him than you think. He was very impressed. Yeah, no matter... Where you look in racing, you see that name, C.S. Hayes. Um, I, I sort of delved into his pedigree a little bit, Ben, and this horse actually ran, I think, second in an Australian Guineas. His sire, I'm talking about, Bull Bars, who yep. was trained by um, the Snowdens or, or, or Peter Snowden, and he actually won a CSA stakes, the sire, Bull, Bull Bars. Um, but as you say, on the maternal side of the families, from like a Tavistock, Mare, Monjeur, great mile and a half horse. So, yeah, the, you know, the future... Um, looks look sort of endless in terms of possibilities with him. Just take us back to the start. I see where he had his first start in New Zealand, where he was bred. Yeah, um, so he was um, spotted by uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne Ormond, um, and he put the horse to us, and um, we really liked the run and thought we'd take, uh, you know, go for it and try buy him, and we were lucky, lucky enough to get him, and um, syndicated down to fantastic group of owners have been on a fantastic ride um but when he arrived uh, if you asked me if he was six months he's got to win his mate and then, and then in group one uh i would have said you're dreaming but uh good horses come from nowhere so uh, uh, to be honest jd and i wouldn't have said he was the champion uh early days uh but he just kept stepping up getting better and better and he has a will to race and he's a competitive horse so um yeah, it's just been an incredible ride for us. It's been very special for the stable. You know, he was our first city winner, mm. first stakes winner, first group one winner uh, for our partnership. So um, he's, he's uh, yeah, well loved in the stable, I can assure you. I can imagine. But he's won over two and a half million prize money. Before we let you go, just moving on from Mr. Brightside, you and JD were in the news earlier in the week. Tell us about this acquisition you've got uh, that could be, a, well, hopefully, is a Melbourne Cup contender. Yeah, uh, really fun. Um, Jared Best from Best Bloodstock. I was able to purchase him and kindly gave us the opportunity to train him. Uh, it, it won um, really impressively last start. Uh, name slipping my mind, but uh, over there. And since then, the format of the race has been excellent. Uh, a couple of horses have come out in one group one. Uh, it's got to have one more start. It's got to run in the Irish... Um, Irish... Well, somewhere in Ireland, anyway. Yeah, somewhere in Ireland. Sorry, guys. Um, and then he'll um, hopefully come over and he'll go first up into a Melbourne Cup. So, okay. um, But the horse is in fantastic order and he's got nice enough form and got a good profile. So uh, really exciting. Yeah, his name's Kamora, is that right? Kamora. Yeah, Kamora. Yeah. 
Good on you, mate. It's a great start to the the season. This is such a special time of year as we head towards the spring, and Mr. Brightside's delivered well. We look forward to seeing him in the field in a few weeks' time, and then maybe the Cox Plate. Thanks for being with us. Yes, he pulled up excellent, so full steam ahead. Good on you, mate. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you. Cheers. There he is, Ben Hayes, in the training partnership with his brother, J.D., preparing Mr. Brightside. My God, when you listen to him, you think you're talking to David Hayes. Yes, exactly. And even, you know, we can remember Sears Hayes, the great Collins. Sort of, he's, um, David sort of spoke just like his dad. So, And it's just a wonderful family, isn't it? We're, we're sort of blessed to have them. Uh, a good win, and if you were on the horse, you were always pretty confident or pretty bullish in the run. He had a good run, a perfect run, in fact, peeled at the right time. I Am Superman was brave in second. You mentioned Buffalo River. Scolopini, we'll talk to, to Matt Hoisted shortly. Uh, didn't go too badly considering he had a wide trip and yeah. they ran it at a good gallop. Yeah, he's only had the two starts down there and he's um, he's performed really well on both occasions. But now at this level, at Group 2, wait for age, he does need a bit of a softer run in transit. But you, regarding Mr Brightside, it was a great first-up run because he just got a beautiful run through, wasn't overly taxed, he had a target um, in uh, that long-time leader in Buffalo River and managed to run him down late. So the future looks bright and... Um, hopefully he does kick on and, and can be at least half as good as the great better loosen up. I think the sixth horse rates are mentioned as well, Uncle Bryn. There's always been a bit of spruik about this horse. He was well backed at good odds to, to win the race yesterday. Uh, he was out the back and he ran home well. And they, but, you know, it and Regal Power and Scolopini's finished alongside of each other. But I thought his finishing effort was good. He's only had the, uh, was his 10th start yesterday and he was first up, but... He may have a bit of a future, Uncle Britton. We saw a couple of nice horses in the three-year-old races yesterday too, where the Vane Stakes, Giga Kick made it three wins on the trot of Flashy Chestnut uh, for Clayton Douglas and Craig Williams. He ran 62.8, and in the Phillies division, they ran a little bit faster there, 62.4. It was won by one of the... Uh, um, horses at double-figure prices, bound for home. She scored for Archie Alexander and Declan Bates. So 62 for the Phillies, and uh, the boys went 62-8 in those three-year-old races yesterday. I wonder what you'll say about those races when we come to broadcast the replays very soon. You've jumped the gun. I'm a gun jumper. You are, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you this morning. You, you, you're here at. I'm enthusiastic. You're here I'm at keen. great expense to the management. Yes. I can't I'll argue with. I've been told not to argue with you. We won't be arguing about this. This was impressive, and, and we were hoping for this, and I think many were expecting this, but by gee, was heavily backed on Common James. When they went to the post, he was the $1.75 favourite in the Regal Roller. 500 to go. Sartorial Splendor. Three quarters of a length in front of Felicia before the turn. Then came Open Minded Niggled at. Further back ranges. Uncommon James just needs a bit of an out now from High Stranger Cinnawan Lombardo Viral William Thomas into the running. Sartorial Splendor at the 250 from Felicia Full Bore. Uncommon James gets out and then Open Minded and ranges. Uncommon James moves up and takes the lead from Felicia and then ranges. Uncommon James 100 metres to go. Darting away a smart win. Uncommon James won it well. Rangers second. Photo third. William Thomas or Felicia. Then came open-minded High Stranger. Further back, Viral Sinawan. Sartorial Splendor pulls up quickly and Lombardo at the back. He stopped the clock at 1.8.44. Granted, timers were quick at Caulfield yesterday, but nevertheless, 1.844 is an outstanding gallop and watching the replay, doing it pretty comfortably. Over the last 100 metres, Miss Andretti holds the record at 1.774. Let's uh, tap in now to co-trainer Matt Hoisted, of course, in a training partnership with Steve O'Day. Matt, good morning. 
Morning, David. Well, I would suggest without um, um, hearing from you, I think yesterday, from your your point of view, would have been one of your most, if not your most satisfying day of the races. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it was really big for the, for the stable to, you know, well, you know, Steve's obviously we've had winners down in, in Victoria before uh, winning the Sale Cup without the fine, but being the first interstate winner, uh, you know, since the partnerships uh, being formed was, um, yeah, a really pleasing day and made sort of an extra special. Uh, obviously, with this this horse, he was obviously the our first stakes winner as a, a training partnership also. So, um, yeah, it was a very much a special day there yesterday. But how much pressure was on you? The expectation was so high. <laughs> I think they went up $8 earlier in the week. We know we got the scratching of um, showmanship, one of the big fancies in the race, but they just kept on backing him at no matter what price, and he ended up running at $1.75. So it was a bit of a quantum leap um, in terms of, you know, competition, when you look at his form going into it, he'd beaten Why We Drink and Safe Work. What were you thinking? Was there any apprehension at all with, with him uh, in this race? Uh, probably not the the quality. Just obviously Caulfield can be a little bit of a tricky track, um, you know, and a bit of a graveyard for some, but... No, they sort of go back and you, you say the horses that he'd been beating here, but we knew he was first up for so long beating Safe Work and how much improvement he had in him and the ease that he did it. And even sort of beating while we drink last start, you know, he virtually only gave him a squeeze for sort of 150 metres and then sort of let him idle down. So I think if, you know, he could have really made a mess of them if he would have really ridden him out there in the Derby McCarthy. So I think it's a bit hard to sort of line up. He can only sort of beat what he what he did. So, um, you know, I was still really happy the fact he was going to be sort of peaking third up fitness-wise after such a long break. And and it was just that he was, as long as he was going to get around Caulfield, uh, you know, well enough. But it had been encouraging signs as soon as, but as soon as he'd been working down in Melbourne, he'd really adapted well, was working on his right leg and, um, you know, had been really comfortable in, in that. But I suppose until you sort of really see him around Caulfield, um, you know, that was the only little, little query we had going into the day. He's got that wonderful racing pattern. He's not held a skeleton. He's not a back of the bus horse. He can take a position, you know, up third or fourth and travel well. Bit of an anxious moment coming to the turn where there was no room and then the run came. I think that everyone watching, particularly the Queenslanders, because we're always loyal when a Queenslander goes away, we then wanted to see what he'd do. And uh, I'm sure you've watched the replay a few times now. That last 100 metres was very good visually. He just did it so easily. Yeah, he did. As sort of Jamie and said, Fury sort of made made sort of mention sort of pre-race that that's the only thing that he still he's obviously still so lightly raced and and still putting it all together. And that sometimes he can just even early days would want to sort of rush and sort of go from zero to a hundred really quick. So just sort of really made the point of really making him sort of build through and and not just wanting to sort of rush. And he sort of said I was a little bit worried when he had to take that little gap. He kind of had to use him to sort of push through that. And he was a little bit hesitant sort of going through there, but once he sort of did and, and sort of balanced up, he, he said um, you know, it was an exceptional turn of foot. And then as soon as he sort of got there, he kind of wanted to have a little bit of a look around as well. So I think that's the most exciting part about this horse. He's doing all of this still on, on pure raw ability. And I think the more racing he does, um, you know, he's only going to continue to keep improving. And he did look raw yesterday in between those horses. But as David pointed out, when he got clear, he really let down. Tell us a little bit more about what Damien, Damien Lane, we know he's a world-class jockey. He's ridden winners everywhere. Well, what did he actually say to you about Uncommon James? Yeah, he, he just sort of really, really sort of went on just how raw the horse is. Um, you know, he said very, you know, begun really well and, and said travelled really good. He goes, but you can just still feel, he goes, he's still a little bit funny around other horses, a little bit sort of field shy still and, 
um, you know, and just those little things once he sort of did did sort of hit the front, he was still wanting to clock off and, and do a little bit wrong. So he just just sort of really emphasised that we're sort of nowhere near the bottom and there is, is quite a lot of improvement, but was um, you know, extremely impressed with the, the turn of foot he showed and, and just just sort of emphasised that he said we've got a, got a really smart horse on our hands. Well, I suppose yesterday's win was, an Im- or yesterday's race was an important one because, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, it shapes his immediate future. The win was impressive. So what's the plan now? Where do we head next? Yeah, still a little bit up in the air. We'll just sort of let the dust settle and see how he is over the next sort of coming days. There's a couple of options. There's, um, you know, the, the the main plan was to go to the Chautauqua in three weeks, another listed race at Mooney Valley. Um, but then we're worried if he did win as impressively as he did, whether we sort of aimed up a little bit and, and possibly went to the Bobby Lewis, which is four weeks' time instead, which is obviously a group two down the straight. But... Just, yeah, sort of looking, not wanting to... The main thing is we're just not wanting to overtax him, really, this prep, because he has, obviously, coming off such a long layoff. But if he was to go to the Chautauqua, it probably still opens up the door of, you know, two weeks into the Rupert Clark, um, stretching him out to 1,400. So um, we'll just sort of wait and see how he how he comes through the next coming weeks. But I, I dare say he'll he'll possibly be, be nominated for the uh, Chautauqua there. And if he draws well, he may line up there and, and have a possible tilt at the Rupert Clark. I notice his name appears now on the tab fixed markets for future markets for the Everest at thirty four dollars. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, um yeah, still still haven't had any, any slot holders ring last night, unfortunately. But um yeah, look obviously he's he's um so exciting that I'm sure he'd be be sort of his name would be there. It's obviously a bit of a different kettle of fish, some of those type of horses, but um yeah, we'll just we'll just get through the next the his next start and um yeah, if he was to win impressively again, I suppose we can see if we have any, any interest after that. I think the phone will be likely to be ridding next time. Now, what about the good old boy Scalapini? He lined up in the Lawrence, <coughs> 1,400 metres, um, and he was only 2.7 lengths behind Mr Brightside. What, what did you make of Scalapini's run? Yeah, I thought he was really gallant in defeat. Just had obviously no luck at all. It shaped to be a little bit sticky, that barrier, with you know the only speed all drawn underneath him. And unfortunately, that's the way that it, it uh, sort of transpired. We sort of were hoping that Azar may have sort of wanted to really sort of roll forward, but as soon as they wanted to posse up, obviously it meant he was sort of three deep punching the breeze the whole way. And we know the sort of 14 at Caulfield, that's a, a really sort of tricky spot to be in. Um, so it was a, he was in a lot of trouble as soon as he wasn't able to get a bit of cover, but thought he still boxed on really gamely and never never gave up and was still solid through the line. As he said, not to be beaten far. Uh, just would have wished it uh, if he would have been able to have a little bit of a cover. We, um, you know, I'm sure he would have been would have finished much closer and would have been right in that finish. What's the post race report on the filly? She's got the boom. Yeah, uh, she had a uh, poor post recovery rate. Other than that, uh, she's she's nice and well this morning. Uh, obviously, really disappointed. She um, obviously elected to take a take a sit there yesterday, and she really sort of resented, sort of wanted to race a bit keenly and resented being in behind her. But at the same time, still, uh, yeah, really sort of failed to to finish at all. So just not too too sure. We'll see if anything sort of comes up the next the next sort of uh, twenty four to forty eight hours. Um, but you know, she obviously had that jump out on Monday. Whether that just took a bit more out of her than we than we sort of thought it would, but um, definitely back to the drawing board with her. Good on you, mate. Always appreciate your time with us here on Radio Tab, and congratulations to you and Steve and the team with Uncommon James yesterday. Cheers, thank you. There he is, Matt Hoisted, joining us this morning. It's an exciting horse, isn't it? Oh, he is. That's the thing. And yeah, you mentioned the Everest there. I think people are just waiting 
and see how he performs next time, yeah. and then the phone will start to ring. But um, last week we had uh, Toby and Trent with Hard Empire winning at Randwick, the Group 2, um, Uncommon James. And I know Tony Gollan's getting a little team together to send south as well. I think he's found a nice race at Mooney Valley for the move, where he probably gets just a little bit of ease in the ground. Mm. Um, an isotope trialled brilliantly the other day, uh, but looks as though... She ran a great race in the Stradbroke. She's clearly back to her best. And Natuno, who's unbeaten in three starts, got a bit of form uh, around She's a Belter. So hopefully uh, the Queenslanders can still do well in the south over the next month or so. Exactly. Where's Zoo Style going to, do you know? Well, he was looking at a race at Mooney Valley over 1,000 metres. But I don't know, just listening to Tony the other day in an interview, whether he'd confirmed that he's going to be on the, the first shipment south. But uh, he was really good in a recent trial, trialling as well as he does, winning by a big space. Let's go to these three-year-old races that Michael alluded to before. We'll go to the Vane Stakes. And the favourite was the leader, Alpha 1 at 310. Around the turn, 350 out. Alpha One held together by a length. Semi on Thronbone. Cannonball. Giga kick to the outside, followed by Man in the Mirror. Alpha One called upon 200 metres to go. Giga kick wants to lay in, but it's running home hard. Alpha One, 100 to go. Giga kick a neck away. Alpha One digs in. Giga kick wearing it down. Giga kick moves up. Nailed it. Giga kick smart win. Beat Alpha One, Mullane. And fourth in the race was Cannonball. Then came Thronbone Semi on Man in the mirror at the end. Giga Kick's unbeaten in three runs. Uh, of course, raced by Pinecliffe Racing, trained by Clayton Douglas. Won its sale on debut. Won first up at Flemington a month ago. And good there yesterday, getting down Alpha 1. As Michael said, the time, one two eighty one was good. Yes, and it was good to see him sitting off the pace yesterday in the vein because when he won at sale and at Flemington, he led at a pretty good gallop, but he took the trail yesterday. And I, I, I believe after he won his first race at sale or the Flemington win, they rejected a million dollars. Basically, they're not interested in selling him. But he's a lovely chestnut horse. He's by Scissor Kick from Rekindled Applause. And, um, yeah, it's onwards and upwards for him. Well, that's interesting you mentioned that about uh, the, the no-sale sign because I, I saw an interview with with Clayton Douglas after the race and uh, when the interviewer, uh, on more than one occasion, asked what the path is for Giga Kick, Clayton was very reluctant. In fact, didn't mention anything at all. So I'm just wondering, with now another one on the board, the price may have gone up and maybe they might be interested. Yes, um... Well, we had a horse of Kelly Swede has sold recently and apparently the offer was too good to, to refuse. Um, won the Winx Guineas. Majestic uh, Colour. Majestic Colour. Mm. Majestic Colour. So, um, yeah, apparently if they, you know, the Hong Kong owners, if they want something, they, they will lift the bar. So watch this space with Giga Kick. Lovers, the boys in the vein. Let's go to the girls in the Quisette. So Bistro is the lamplighter, 600 metres to go by a length and a half. Two in second place, Lady Laguna. They were followed by Ebhar on the outside. Further back in the field is Waltz on by. Miss Rosiano out deeper. She's got the boom. Would be about four off the lead coming around the corner. And they were followed next in the field by Winner Takes It All. So Bistro, 250 metres to go in front. Waltz on by. Can't get a run. Lady Laguna's keeping her in. Bound for home the outside. And here comes Ebhar. And Ohi is getting through. Through. Bound for home, 100 metres to go. Ohi coming at her. Bound for home, a neck. Ohi bound for home, is home. Beat Ohi. Third, I'm loving you. And fourth in the race was Lady Laguna. They were followed next in the field by Ebhar in company with Waltz on by, who was turned sideways in the straight from Typhoon Tetmus. Then came Bistro, who got tired, Berry Bubbly. And back behind them was Miss Rosiano towards the back. She's got the boom. And winner takes it all. 
Bound for home, just holding off Ohio, and I'm loving it in third position. Important to point out here, and Michael did allude to this, one two forty four. so they ran quicker than the Colts, and uh, she's only had a short break from racing. She, she hadn't raced since uh, running second at Flemington in early June. Yeah, it was a really open race. I think it was about 4 or $5 the field. Putters, you know, up until the last minute or so, couldn't really separate um, Ebhar, I'm loving you, and also waltz on. And surprisingly, this filly started at that big price. She was 26 out to 31 after winning a Ballarat race. It was a maiden. And then she was second at Flemington behind the talented uh, Gennati. So, yeah, $31. So well done if you found her. That was the action at Caulfield yesterday. Let's turn our attention now to Rose Hill Gardens. And the feature was the listed rosebud for the three-year-olds. The favourite here was Kaboo at $3. They've got 400 metres to run and Troach leads the way by a length on Kaboo. Zuccarino needs a bit of room. Sweet Ride's hanging tough the outside and now Spacewalk pulling to the outside to launch his claim and quickly Spacewalk moved up in a five-way go. Spacewalk put his head in front. Zuccarino's getting the gap now giving chase. Spacewalk in front from Zuccarino. Spacewalk. Zuccarino drives on the inside and might have got up. Photo Zuccarino lunging at Spacewalk right on the wire. Getting up on the inside, Troats, I'd say third, just in front of Kaboo. Then came Voldemort from Sebenac, Miss Hellfire, and uh, and pulling back then towards the rear was Psychiatrist. Zuccarino did get the judges' nod, two from two. Brenton Avdala riding for trainer John O'Shea, who now joins us. John, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, what I liked about this horse was, and I'm sure you did as well, uh, his will to win, uh, there, there was he couldn't get a run in the early part of the straight. Then he got the run and there were horses all around him. There wasn't much room. It was tight and bumping. But then he really drove hard late. Uh, great will to win. Uh, he's a really progressive horse and we think quite highly of him and just trying to get him through his grades the best we can um, while he's learning his craft. And he's got so much more to, to offer in terms of his race craft. So... You know, over the next couple of months, hopefully he gets himself organised and uh, lay a good foundation for the rest of his career. John, was he a, a culprit that took a little while to come to hand? I noticed that you gave him a number of barrier trials before producing him on McKenzo on that heavy track back in July, a, a race that he won well. Well, he, he was a Magic Millions winter, so by definition he was a little bit of a late starter. And... Um, during the autumn in Sydney, it was very, very wet, and I just didn't feel the need to <clears throat> run too many horses that time of year. You know, it was, it was especially young horses, their first first racing preparation. So we just trialled him and, and turned him out, and uh, he came back in a lot stronger and opportunity just to give him a run as a two-year-old. Uh, so he got that, ticked that little box, and then, you know, we give him an, an easy sort of time after that run, a little trial in between, and then turned up yesterday. What did the owners have to pay for him, Zuccarino? What did he? What, was, what did he go for? Uh, Five hundred. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what uh, pl- What path do we plot now? Where do we go next with him? I think the way in which he, he's come through the run, um, we'll, we'll probably head to the San Domenico in two weeks. Mm. Um, you know, having had uh, a win at eleven hundred at Rose Hills, sort of good because some stage, you know, he may end up in a galaxy there next autumn. So. Uh, but we'll go back to the San Domenico and then uh, give some consideration what we're doing after that. A 
cult by Schnitzel. Tell us a little bit about his personality. I was just having a look at him on the television yesterday. I just noted how flashy he was with the white face, and I think he's only got one white sock. Is he, is he actually is he a chestnut or a bay horse, John? He's probably a liver chestnut, to be fair. Is you he? know, and uh, he's got a really good attitude. He's a really cool dude around the yard, and um, he's a bit of a lad early doors, but after any second preparation when he came back into the stable, he's just a different horse altogether, and and since then, he's been just an absolute delight to deal with. I think they put put him in, David, $15 for the uh, the Golden Rose after that. Mm. Yeah, well, it's an option. Uh, it would be a big challenge to get to a Golden Rose with your first preparation, fifth run in. So, you know, we're just mindful that um, we'll, we'll just play it by ear and, and see what the next month brings before we sort of give any sort of consideration to, you know, where he'd end up. Let's talk about lost and running. Locked and loaded, a slot holder for the Everest at $11 on tab. Uh, how's he progressing? We're really happy with him. Um, he has developed again. Uh, he's a stronger horse. He, you know, We just did a, a few tests on him this week, and he's probably a little bit advanced on where he was this time last year. Mm. And uh, so we're sort of hoping just through natural improvement that he's going to you know, run a little, a little bit better again this year. And, you know, uh, it, it's such a hard race to win. A lot of things have got to go your way in the Everest. But each year, you know, he's, he's sort of improving. Hopefully one day he'll improve sufficiently well enough to win the race, you know. What happened in the new market? Oh, that race was just a, the way it was run and just an upside-down sort of race. And, you know, he ended up on the wrong side and... Yeah, it's just one of those days you forget they went around. Um, you know, I think uh, the horse that ran last in the race, um, Robbie Price's horse, subsequently, you know, come up to Queensland, won a group two. Um, it's just a, an upside-down race and probably, you know, the only form out of it that you would disregard would be those that probably finished in the money, you know. Like, so uh, he, he'll get back to the straight one day and I'm sure he'll be fine. The counter rupee was good out of that up here, as you say. John, I noticed before that new market too that he had a little bit of synthetic hoof filler. Was it just like just a, a little thing at the time? Yeah, no, it's nothing major. He's sort of he's a big footed horse and he just had a little bit of breakaway, so no, he's sort of he's been really good lately and uh, we we just need to uh, the biggest thing in Sydney in in the autumn as I said you know, even with regard to Zagreno was the wet ground and mm. So consistently sort of working in, in, you know, bottomless tracks and uh, just had such a detriment to their overall well-being. A lot, you know, it helped some horses, but, you know, 80% of horses were, were wiped out their autumns and he was one of them. So, you know, I'm sure that with a bit of continuity to his preparation, he'd be fine. Yeah, but he's only lightly raced too, isn't he? Six-year-old, 14 starts, eight wins, and he hasn't got to find a lot. Just looking at his form um, last spring, John, he doesn't have to find a lot to, you know, pick up one of these big races. No, no, he, uh, he, he, you know, if he comes back and performs, you know, as good or a little bit better this time in, he'll be in the mix, and uh, he's got a good racing style and loves Randwick, so... There's plenty to like about him. John, you mentioned before about the, the weather. I can't remember a year where it's been so wet for so long in Sydney. Well, we've had over nearly two and a half metres of rain um, since the 1st of January, and, and the record for rainfall in Sydney is, is, is two and a half metres for the whole 12 months. So um, that's sort of indicative of how wet it's been. 
Uh, it's been extremely tough for horses, but most importantly, our staff has well and truly had a gut full of it, to be honest. You know, he's coming to work every day and just getting drenched, and uh, it's been very, very difficult. So hopefully we're getting a, a little bit of respite. You know, we've got good weather at the moment, and, uh, you know, if the tracks can dry a little bit and the horses can start to feel good about themselves, it'll reflect in their performances. John, just one question before we go. I'm, I'm a maximal fan. I thought his two runs in Brisbane during the carnival were excellent. Um, can you give me a, a good positive report about him? Yeah, he's one horse that um, has made dramatic improvement. I think the Queensland winter helped him. Uh, he's, he's just sort of adapted and climatised a lot better this time. And if you see a horse like Shawfire yesterday, you know, like his second start in Australia or second preparation in Australia, just a completely different horse and... Maximal's the same. He, uh, he he's really, you know, settled into the Australian way physically. Um, he's been really good, and well, I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up a good race this time. He's, he's just a really happy horse, and he's going to trial on Friday. I think that um, just through natural improvement and the way he's settled in this time, he's got a lot to offer. Excellent work with Zuccarino, and we look forward to seeing Lost and Running. And thanks for being with us this morning. Cheers, boys. John O'Shea joining us this morning. He mentioned Shaw Fire. That's the race we're going to have a listen to now. Titanium Power was the well-baked favourite. Expected the leader did, but Shaw Fire gets it down. So it's Titanium Power, the short price favourite in front. By three lengths to True Detective. Oscar Zulu taking closer order in third. Followed by Arctic Thunder, Poetic Charmer, Surefire coming one off the fence. Well into the straight. Titanium Power, four lengths clear from True Detective. Oscar Zulu, Arctic Thunder. Surefire's five lengths away, starting to put in. It's Titanium Power at the 200. Three lengths clear from Surefire, who's giving chase now. Giving good chase, Surefire. Roofing in Titanium Power and Surefire the star back with a bang. First up, ran down Titanium Power. Oscar Zulu third, then True Detective, no compromise. Arctic Thunder, Poetic Charmer and Mugger 2 was last in. That man with the Midas touch, Noel Greenwich. I see he's a part owner of Surefire who was first up yesterday but well back to win the race. 4.20 down to 3.90 and uh, as John said, having its second preparation, former overseas galloper. Uh, and he had the three starts for Chris Waller uh, earlier in the year, but to produce first up yesterday and beating Titanium Power. Yeah, Titanium Power led it a really strong gallop, strung them out, but Surefire was too strong at the end to get up and score by round about a length. Mugger 2 couldn't keep up at any point, David. He, he sort of uh, eventually was beaten around about 15 lengths and under a lot of pressure up the straight. Uh, the stewards report said that a post-race examination of Mugger 2 revealed no abnormalities. Now, um, trainer Chris Lees did report back that when he returned to the stables, the gilding was found to have blood present, present in one nostril. So um, Chris Lees has undertaken to report back to the stewards about the immediate racing future of Mugger 2, but sort of... Um, begs the question regarding these post-race veterinary examinations. You know, what do they actually do? Do they just use a stethoscope and check the heart and lungs or uh, trot them up? I'm not sure, but obviously they really scope horses. Mm. And I don't know whether that was the case yesterday. Probably not with Mugger 2, but um, I, I would hope that one day they, they bring it in where these high-profile horses actually, um, when they fail, they actually do scope them as a part of the post-race examination. Uh, yeah. Because I think it tells a lot. I think trainers will t and vets will tell you that. And I think it's possibly a, a cost factor why they don't do it. 
Yeah, I know just from a personal point of view, a horse I've got to share in was Scope recently because it just wasn't going as well as what it should be and it did reveal quite a lot. So it's a good point you make. Um, that was the action at Rose Hill yesterday. With Mugger 2 as well, just the, the sort of danger signs have been there. He's been a long time to come back and they've been stop starting. The trials haven't been that flash. So just yeah. where he is at the moment is is uh, sort of uh, out for the jury. That was the action from Rose Hill to the highlights from Rose Hill Gardens. Let's go to Morfordville. And the feature was the Group 3 Spring Stakes and Behemoth was a favourite but an easing favourite. Outlaws Revenge looking to cross over and take the lead from Quietly Discreet who's holding the fence. Pindaric, what you want, Royal Mile. Then came as they head up to the turn, Calypso Rain. Behemoth's back in traffic. He's trying to work his way through. Extreme through hard up against the fence. Royal Mile, Calypso Rain wider out, ranging up with Pindaric and Outlaws Revenge and Calypso Rain sprinted to the lead. What you want, trying to match. Then Pindaric and Quietly Discreet won't go away. It's Calypso Rain a half in front from Pindaric, what do you want? There's no behemoth. Pim's party runs on, but Calypso Rain races clear with the spring stakes. From Pindaric and Pim's party, then what do you want? Extreme thrill. Followed next by uh, Royal Mile, then Agreeable, quietly discreet, stuck on well. Kenyon Wonder, Spark Up, Outlaws Revenge, tired. Behemoth, never into it after an awkward getaway, and Venusian's last. Calypso Reigns had a wonderful campaign. It kicked off at one of Benchmark 76 at Morfordville back in early April, then ran second there during their carnival, uh, one at Murray Bridge, and then uh, one at Murray Bridge again, and has now gone to Group 3 level. So this campaign, five starts, four wins. Never been on a heavy track before, but um, was an absolute duck yesterday. Really did dominate that race, so Calypso Rain. Very impressive, midfield, wide, but kept up a really strong gallop. And in that race was rated only 89 points, as you say. has been progressing right the way through. And I think um, David Jolly said during the week that he was probably going to keep him in Adelaide and maybe start him in, is it called the Leon McDonald, mm. the former Penny edition? That's it. But I wonder whether um, they might set their sights maybe on a race in Melbourne with him now. It was a it was a big win. Yeah, exactly. Um, as you said, he was a rating eighty nine yesterday, so he'll probably go to about a ninety three or ninety four. Uh, except for feature races, very difficult to find races in Adelaide for those those horses at that rating because uh, most of the racing is for lower rated horses. David Jolly's on the line now. David, good morning. How are you? Congratulations on yesterday. Thank you, Michael. How are you this morning? Yeah, Michael's with us as well here. Look. Calypso Rain, we were just talking about him. He's been, I suppose, the word to describe as a discovery this campaign. He hasn't put a foot wrong, and he's gone to group level yesterday. Did that surprise you? Uh, oh, look, we'd, um, I suppose the spotlight was on the other bloke, you know, something a bit being a high-profile horse, but he's, um, he's just been a horse that's just kept sneaking along and getting the job done. Um, I've always sort of liked the horse, but he's sort of surprised me the levels he's sort of gone to. Um, you know, he's um, he's actually always sort of showed us a lot of talent. Um, and early on, we ran him through the carnivals, a three-year-old and a couple of better races. And he, was, um, he wasn't far off him, but he was just doing a few things wrong. He was sort of getting out of his ground a little bit. And he just probably wasn't physically, looking back at it now, physically sort of strong enough, you know, something. And... Uh, um, yeah, he's he's he's, a, he's probably a slighter built sort of horse, um, and uh, I think he's probably taken till now to just fully mature and get stronger. And and he's taking, um, I suppose, what he's probably doing in a better fashion is 
Um, he's uh, he used to get sort of back out of ground and, and give himself a bit too much work to do, but now he's sort of yeah he's putting himself handier. And he's um, the thing I like about him is he's, he's very um, he'll adapt to any pace. Like if he, if they uh, yeah, if they go along a bit steadier, he'll be two or three lengths closer. Um, you know if they go quicker, he'll be two or three lengths further back, and he can sustain quite a long sprint. You know, sort of thing. He, he, get, he gets to his top and sort of will keep rolling through the line. Um, you know, which a lot of sprinters um, have got a shorter sort of dash. You know, sort of thing on him. Uh, you know, you, you never have, have hesitations to sort of travel wide or anything on him because you know he can sustain a long sprint. Yeah, and what about the the wet track yesterday? Was there any reservations with that? Oh, we know he's a grey, we know that old saying, but um, what were your thoughts on that, that heavy? I think it went down to a heavy nine prior to the race. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, we don't get too many of them, of those sort of tracks down here. Um, you know, sure, they see a sort of few soft sixes and things like that, but you don't, you, there's not, not that many times you're racing on a heavy nine or ten, you know, sort of thing. So, um, you know, like they, they don't... Um, they certainly don't get to see it much. So, look, I, I've, like you said, the only um, uh, yeah, he's quite a good action horse, you know, sort of thing. And um, uh, he's got sort of a you know, for his size, he's got a good big long stride on him. And generally, those sort of horses are not and as inept in, the, in that sort of ground. But um, I think it just sort of maybe just outlines his versatility. He seems to go on any ground. The quick tracks don't worry him much either. He's a very sound horse, and uh, um, yeah, look, he seems to be you know just developing sort of skills now and he's he's a good all-rounder you know so then you can you can put him in a in a race and really rely on him to turn up and he's won eight of 26 with uh six minors as well he's getting close to half a million dollars in prize money so is the plan the same as uh, as what it was prior to this race yesterday yeah look we've only given him um he hasn't sort of raced too much beyond six furlongs, given, but you know, given his racing style, you'd sort of um, you'd think he'd have no troubles with it. I, I reckon when he was younger, I, I did, you know, we were still learning about him, and we sort of, I think he might have been third run in, and we sort of ran him in a fifteen hundred three year old. He, he didn't finish far away, but that was probably a bit of trainer error at that stage, you know, sort of thing to do that, and we, and then we sort of we'd probably. Um, yeah, you know, from then on, you know, kept him around that sort of six furlong mark on those sort of bigger tracks. So, um, probably to tell you the truth, the, the the race we sort of earmarked for him was the grey race at Flemington um, over seven furlongs. And I had a chat to the, the um, people at Grand, um, Sam Lyons and that, and said, well, and, and Steve Leone and said, look, I, I just, I think that he was one rating, but I think that's a benchmark 90. You know, he was an 89, and I said, look, the horse is sort of going too well for that, in a way. Um, you know, it was a fair way off that target, you know, in November. And I said, the horse is sort of like, I, I think, I said, I think we should maybe try him at these wait for ages in Adelaide, and there's a possibility he could run in something better in Melbourne, like a, um, you know, uh, like a, a good handicap, you know, down on the down on the minimum, you know, sort of thing. So, uh, um, yeah, certainly maybe that... Um, you know, whilst that wasn't sort of, you know, publicly sort of advertised, it was um, it was something that we talked about, and obviously, you know, this was the first step to say, well, look, he, he measures up, does he measure up into better grade? You know, so I think, you know, it wasn't a obviously with Behemoth not doing his best, it probably wasn't a vintage spring stakes, but you know, he did he did win very dominantly, and I think the horses improving, and when they're improving like that, you never know where they're going to end up.
What are your thoughts on Behemoth? We know he stumbled out of the barrier and he was, you know, in traffic, but the, the home straight visually wasn't the behemoth we know. No, that's right. Look, Paul was sort of, you know, um, it's just hard to say. I think Paul was sort of not, um, obviously got that whack in the head and he, he, he wasn't sort of obviously at his best, um, uh, you know, riding the horse out and he didn't have much recollection of the race afterwards. So he's sort of gone around sort of half KO'd, um, you know, riding the horse. But look, Having said that, I, off a slow speed, when he was back there inside, I thought, oh, I can't win there. He's got sort of too much traffic, you know. So he actually got him out in the clear and gave him a couple. And he didn't really come on, um, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I'd have to say um, certainly it was disappointing in the run home. Um, I just think, we, you know, we might have to just... There's a few contributing factors there that we just might have to sort of regroup and have a good look at the horse and, and see how he's going. But... Uh, you know, um, you'd, you'd be, um, you'd, you know, like I'd be, uh, uh, you'd be kidding myself if I, think, if I thought he could win a Mimsy on that run, you know, sort of thing. But there's just a few contributing factors that we might have to just weigh up, you know, in the next sort of week and see how we go. Uh, understood. Appreciate your time this morning, but uh, uh, not so good with Behemoth, but a great result with Calypso Rain. Thanks, David. No worries. There is David Jolly joining us this morning. Let's take a break on Past the Post. We'll come back and have a look at Eagle Farm on the other side. The Post on Radio Tab. And brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Of course, uh, Archer Park have, uh, were selling shares in two Spirit of Boom Colts to be trained by Tony Gollan. All the information's on the website, archerparkracing.com.au. And you can get a bank to buy those or take those shares by backing Caribbean King in the second race today at the Sunshine Coast. What the, price is he? A dollar sixty. I got a dollar sixty-five. It's better than bank interest. They tell me, and they are generally right. Let's cut a race seven at Eagle Farm yesterday. Legal Esprit, very honest, was the favourite, but another very honest horse, Windside, was best back to beat it. At the point of the turn, 4.50 left to Rana and Dusty Tycoon straight to the lead. Legal Esprit on the outside is trying to pick up the margin. Windside Nini around then Mashani Fraudster. Safe work starting to put in. The others were headed by Tessarka. Legal Esprit got to the lead. Windside getting out now. Dusty Tycoon gone. Safe work is still running on. Legal Esprit leads away from Windside. Safe work picking on the runner. Legal Esprit in front. Windside trying hard. Legal Esprit, Windside. Legal Esprit in front. Windside went to it and beat it. Windside beat Legal Esprit on the line. Third not short. Tessark out wide. Dusty Tycoon and Safe Work did Maya Bay Acrobatic. Followed by Smart Image, Mashani Fraudster. And the Lioness was last over the line. It was great to see Windside win, particularly because one of the few races I actually backed a winner in yesterday. But with Legal Esprit, I thought it was a two-horse race. And it turned out that way, fortunately. But I was saying post-race on the, the public address... I think many would have thought that it would be Legal Esprit challenging Windside, who might be just getting a little tight at the 1,200. It was exactly the opposite with Windside running down Legal Esprit. Corey Guerin is in trading partnership with his mum, Kylie, and Corey joins us this morning. Mate, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. She has been a model of consistency. This was a very deserved win yesterday. Yeah, good day, um, guys. Uh, yeah, no, she's... Um She's a great horse, uh, great win, very deserved. Uh, you know, she's been uh, obviously knocking on the door for a while now and uh, just hasn't been able to quite get there through a sort of run of bad barriers and things like that. And, uh, yeah, she, she finally cracked through for, um, I guess, a win in her own right at Eagle Farm. She obviously um, dead-heated with Go Wanji that day at Toowoomba and um, um, 
I think that was a benchmark 70 or 75 race, and uh, we sort of threw her in the deep end a bit after that, and she's uh, she's really done nothing but sort of take the step up. Yeah, David mentioned her consistency. It's quite incredible. I think she came to your stables, Corey, around about Christmas time, and you've given her 12 starts, and with that prize money yesterday, she's won about $150,000 for, for you. So congratulations. Uh, she obviously loves staying in work and loves the environment there in Toowoomba. Yeah, look, uh, she's a funny sort of horse. She she does thrive in the in the stable environment, and she, she sort of had about two months between runs, and we didn't even put her in the paddock. She just stayed at home in the stables, and... And just when in, on the in the pool and on the walker and things like that, and and she just seems to uh, sort of thrive more so that way. And and uh, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to train her, uh, you don't have to work her hard. She just uh, she just uh, she naturally stays uh, fit. And um, yeah, like you say, she seems to do well up here um, in Toowoomba. And yeah, she's done nothing but sort of thrive since she comes to us. How did you come to get her? Um, I, we've had a couple of horses prior uh, for for the owner Leo Chan, and um, she was originally down south with uh, with another trainer. And um, yeah, I guess um, she come up here to race a little bit, and um, yeah, she just ended up staying up here. And uh, yeah, Leo sort of approached me to take her on, and um, yeah, I was more than happy to. I believe Leo wanted to run in the thousand metre race yesterday, Corey. Yeah, look. Um, Oh, you know, I, I got a few sort of silly looks when I when I did run her in the 1200. I guess because I mean, it was doubtful whether she would run the tw the strong 1200, and she she has never really been tested in it. But um, I've always thought she's going to be a better 1200 meter horse, even when we were running her in the short courses and and like the the sprint races, they they just put so much pressure on early, and you've just got to you've got to really be up there and. I think you know. Yesterday she drew a good gate. Uh, she could just lob in behind there naturally on her own speed without having to do any work, and, and that's how she's going to run a strong 1200. And and uh, yeah, I think well, obviously we we did pull the right rating, scratching her out of the the benchmark 90 yesterday because um, yeah, it, it looked a high pressure race on paper, and, and horses like um, a Racecourse Road and, and Ice in Vancouver and, and those ones, and, and uh, you know there was always they were always going to go fast, and they did. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to see her now have one at 1,200 metres. Yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was a busy day for you. You had a good day at Eagle Farm and you won the first race in Toowoomba. Yeah, no, we actually watched, um, yeah, we watched Torbrek win the first race at Toowoomba at Eagle Farm. So, um, yeah, that was fun. Um, always good to get a winner at home. And, um, yeah, we got a bit of a habit of winning the first race lately. We've been... Um, yeah, I've been I've been away most of the time, so that, yeah, the team does a good job at home, and it's always good to watch them win, um, even when you're not there. And Corey, that team is rapidly expanding. You've been having some wonderful success over the past six to eight months. Um, did this all start with the transfer from was it the sunny coast to Toowoomba? Yeah, basically, we we had about um, we moved to well, we moved back to Toowoomba about yeah about eighteen months ago, and. I think we brought about uh, 14 horses over with us that we had, and and uh, I think you know all together now we've probably got around sort of 45 or 50, compared you know with with everything included, and and majority of those here in Toowoomba, and then we've also got stables uh, which mum and dad are at at Dolby, so there's there's about sort of six or seven horses out there at any given time, and and usually about 35 here in Toowoomba, so yeah, no, it's um. It's been really good, and obviously with success comes more opportunity, and 
and, and you know getting better horses and, and obviously love winning races up here or winning races anywhere as a matter of fact but you know we just really want to try and target or get horses that we can take to the city every weekend and and just keep having a crack at sort of you know racing racing you know sort of races the team's going well good on you mate i was great, great to see that horse win yesterday and uh, as you said I, I wasn't aware you had so many horses in work with uh, with with the family but things are going well thanks for being with us this morning thanks so much guys Corey Gearan joining us this morning, of course, in partnership with his mum, Kylie, and, of course, his dad, Gary Gearan, at Jockey. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many times do we see it, in particular families, you know, um, families in horse racing, they, they, they just seem to put more passion into it, and that's a big concern. Mm. Um, a lot bigger th- than I thought. 35 to 40 horses in work at any time in Toowoomba, so we're going to see them, and I think um, they've been placing their horses beautifully. In Toowoomba, they can race at all of those country tracks, yeah. but when we see them bring them down the range, from now on, we better be taking notice, I think. Exactly. We've got to go. We've run out of time. Those colours, uh, Leo Chen's colours, that horse that I was trying to think of was called Sir Breakfast. Sir Breakfast. Well, Liam Bursley. Liam Bursley trained it, yeah. yeah. Over a decade ago. Okay. Mate, thanks for this morning. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Dave. Michael Banksworthy joining us this morning here on Pass the Post. Thanks for your company as well, and I look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow. All of our regular panellists as we look back at what happened last week and what's going to happen this week in racing right around Australia. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye.